Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Let's get into the series that we are in. Let's turn our attention to God's Word. We are in a series about the Sabbath. Um, The series, I talked about this weeks ago, about kind of where this series just kind of came from. I do believe that as a culture, as a church, um, the Sabbath is something that is not really talked about a lot and it's not really practiced a lot. We don't really talk about this topic, but throughout Scripture, the Sabbath is very important. From the Old Testament and what we're going to be discovering today, even within to the New Testament here. Last week, I was challenging us that when we take a Sabbath, when we take a day of rest, when we cease to do our work and we take rest, that we are called to spend that time remembering who we are, who we were, and what Christ has done for us. We looked at the, at the Old Testament account out of Deuteronomy chapter 5 where, where uh, we see this, these Ten Commandments and within there the Lord says remember the Sabbath day and when you do remember who you were when you were down in Egypt. How God's people were enslaved and how God has rescued them from slavery. And how really nothing has changed. That mankind continues to live in slavery, not by a nation, not by a people, but by the sin of this world. But Christ has come to set his people free. And I challenge us that when we, when we take a Sabbath, when we take a day of rest, to remember who you were before Christ and what Christ has done in your life. Well, this week, I want to talk about God's plan for a promised rest and the importance of work in our lives. I think it's really difficult to, to talk about a Sabbath if we don't also talk about what we were created to do on this side of heaven. So today we're going to be looking at a lot of different, different scripture verses, turning to a few different places in the Old Testament and New, New Testament here. And before we do, I just want to pray for us this morning because we are going to be jumping around a lot within scripture. So let's just, let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us this morning. Father, Lord, help us. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we look to your word today, as we turn to your scriptures, Father, my prayer is that you would come and you would speak to us. Father, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us through your word. Father, come and challenge us, remind us today of who you are and what you have called us to be. Father, I praise you, and I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to turn once again our attention to the beginning of Scripture. I don't know if you guys realize this or know this, but so much happens in the book of Genesis, and so many promises and so many things get started there, that really the book of Genesis is really shining a light onto the rest of Scripture here. And when you turn to Genesis and In Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to ask for you to turn your attention to today. In Genesis chapter 2, we get a little bit more details. So in Genesis chapter 1, God created everything within six days. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, it says God rested on the seventh day. But as you continue to read down, we get some more details on what creation was like and why God 
created us. I want to turn your attention to Genesis 2.15. And it says this. It says, The Lord took the man, this would be Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The very first thing we see that God does with man is that God created man for a purpose. That man was created for a job. That man was created to work. Right off of the bat, the Lord creates Adam and puts him into the garden and says, Adam, you're going to work the garden. I've got a plan for you. The plan for you is to work. Now, what happens next? You guys know this story. If you've ever read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, something changes. That, that this world changes. And what happens is that man, mankind, Adam and Eve, decided to do their own thing. They decided to go their own way. They just wanted to live in disobedience to the Lord. And you get this, get this story taking place on how Satan comes and deceives them. But in the end, Adam and Eve decided to disobey God. And there's some penalties to that. Look at Genesis chapter 3. So man was created to work, but man rejects the word that God had spoken. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we, we see these words. Adam, you were created to work the garden. Now look what happens to Adam's work. Genesis 3.17. He says, And Adam said, And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, which if you are a man, you, you may want to highlight that verse real quick, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, that you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and dust you shall return. If you can just imagine with me, how creation would have looked and how Adam's life would have looked at the beginning. When God creates Adam, the world is perfect. There is no sin. There is no death. There is no pain. There is this perfect world that Adam was placed to live in and work in and have this beautiful relationship with God. But then sin enters this world. That Adam and Eve decided to disobey the Lord, and now look what takes place to this world. Verse 17, Because you've listened to your wife and eaten of the tree which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed. If you have your Bibles, highlight that verse. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now, we don't, we don't get like all of the details on what this exactly means and what this exactly looks like here, but, but these next few verses, you can assume if this is what the curse is going to look like, you can assume that things used to be the opposite of what they were. So look at verses 18, and in pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Adam, because of sin, because of what has happened, 
the work that I created you to do, which was in the garden, the work now is going to be painful. There's going to be pains, there's going to be thorns, there's going to be, going to be thistles, and there's going to be sweat. Adam, your labor is now going to be hard. Before, it wasn't hard. Adam went out to that beautiful garden, and I bet you plants just grew. And, you know, there was just planting and just beautifulness, and it was, you can see this life of perfection. All of a sudden, the ground is now cursed. And now labor, now work, becomes work, right? Like, it's like, it used to be different, now there is this work, now there is painful, now there is difficulty. I'd like to just give a shout-out to Adam. Thank you, Adam, for listening to your wife on that day. Listen, she sinned too. They both sinned. I'm not blaming women, okay? I'm not blaming the women out there, but that's what Scripture says. I'm not... No. But Adam and Eve sinned. And now the work for them to survive on this earth became difficult. And you get this, get this projection on what is about to be taking place to mankind. Pain, suffering, difficulty has now entered the world. Well, as you continue to read Genesis, as you continue to, to read what takes place in the book of Genesis... Things don't get any better. hate to break it to you. Adam and Eve's sin created more sin. Cain kills Abel, and sin grows and grows and grows. Look at Genesis 6.5. It says this, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of thought of his heart was only evil, Continually. What you see takes place in Genesis chapter 3 leads to just sin and more pain and more difficulty. But I want you to just uh, turn back real quick to Genesis 5. Genesis 5 is a genealogy book, which if you've ever read through Scripture, how many of you have ever skipped over the genealogy? I'm struggling here, Brad. Help me out here. Geology. See, you messed up there. See, Gian, you guys know I'm screwing up here with my words. But whenever you come to those chapters, many people skip those chapters. They're like, oh yeah, so-and-so had so-and-so, and so-and-so had so-and-so. But I want you to turn back to five, because you're going to see a promise here that's very interesting, that's tying all of these words together. Genesis 5, 28. And it says... When Lamech had lived 182 years, he'd fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, see that word again? This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toils of our hands. You see these words here where mankind was created to work and then work became painful because of sin of man and then we get these words about Noah. That Noah, he's going to be a man that's going to bring us relief. Now, did that happen? What happened with Noah? 
Anybody know? I'm looking for some audience participation today. The flood came. Was there relief? Think about this. Was Noah, did he bring relief to man's toils? You could almost argue, no. It was terrible. He builds this ark, and the only people on the ark is Noah and his family. Everyone else dies. Is that the relief that God is speaking about? That the only relief is for all of mankind to be wiped out? No, but Noah, and if you guys read the the scriptures, Noah is the peace to Abraham. Noah is the promise that God's people will remain. And Noah is called that Noah will bring rest to his people. Now, if you can fast forward thousands upon thousands of years, you can see that Noah preserved mankind. That was Noah's job. And Noah led to Abraham. Abraham led to David. And we all know who David leads to here. But Noah did not bring rest to the world. But Noah preserved God's people. Now, when we talk about the Sabbath rest, and when we talk about this idea that God has made this promise here, I want us to kind of, my goal today is for us to kind of see, okay, man was created to work, but then pain comes. But then God makes these promises that rest will come. You were created to work, but there's this promise of rest. And, and we see this throughout all of Scripture, that God is making this promise that, that one day rest will come. All the toil, all of the pain, all of the suffering, one day rest will come. And when will it come? That's the ultimate question. Hebrews picks up on this theme. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, I want you to kind of see how this theme continues within Scripture. Hebrews 3.16 says this, For for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? So this is Hebrews re-quoting and re-summarizing what was taking place in the Old Testament. When God's people were down in Egypt, when they were enslaved, Moses comes and brings them out of the slavery, and with whom he was provoked for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they may not enter his, look at that word, rest. But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. God had made this promise to his people in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you a land, this land flowing with milk and honey, and God's people, they don't enter it underneath Moses. And Hebrews here is summarizing why they did not enter God's rest. And it was purely because of disobedience. And as you read Exodus and Deuteronomy and all of the the first five books of God's word, you see that God's people time and time again disobey and they decide to do their own thing and God says I had this promise rest for you but you never entered it you never got to enter my rest well Hebrews 4 6 picks up on this since therefore it remains for some to enter it 
Those who formerly received the, the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appointed a certain day, today, saying, through David so long after, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains, look at this, some people ask me, is the Sabbath in the New Testament? You're going to read it right here. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What we have throughout Scripture is that God made this beautiful promise. He created us, he created us to work, and then work became extremely, extremely difficult because of sin and because of disobedience. And then God makes this promise to his people, I'm going to give you rest. I want to give you the rest that I have promised you, and the rest, it, it doesn't come. But God gives them the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, people, is pointing to a day of rest. We can argue right now, we don't have rest yet. Rest has, has not come. Rest will come to those who believe. However, the Sabbath, the Sabbath that God has given to man is a day for us to remember that the rest is coming. That this labor that we do, that this work that we do every single week when you work six days and you labor and you go to work and work is difficult and your boss is nagging on you and things are difficult, those are all pointing to there's rest coming. You will enter God's perfect rest through faith in Christ. And in the Old Testament, they did not get to enter that rest because they were disobedient. But here, the reason why we talk about the Sabbath and why I believe it's so important for us to really start to think about in our own lives, God, why would I want to be taking a Sabbath day? What is even the point of this Sabbath? The Sabbath is pointing our lives to the rest that we will have with Him. That one day, that this cursed ground that we live in, the pains and the toils and the heartache that we face through our labors of this life just to simply make it on this side of heaven. And when you take a Sabbath, when you take a day of rest, you are proclaiming that one day, one day, God, it's all going to be done. All this labor that I do, all this work that is happening, that one day, one day, rest is coming. And I think that it's so important for us to kind of see this theme throughout Scripture. And I want to turn your attention to Revelations 22. Because we're going to pick up on this word that has been throughout God's word. Revelations 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystals, flowing from the throne of God. And of the Lamb. Through the middle of the city of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Huh. That's interesting. I thought there was a tree of life in Genesis. 
The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were here for the healings of the nations. Verse 3. No longer will there be any accursed. Meaning there's coming a day that the ground that was cursed will be done. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and the servant will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will forever, for they will reign forever and ever. As you read Scripture, this is the most amazing thing about Scripture. Not only was the Bible written over thousands of years by many different authors. The same theme is running throughout the entire book that God has given us. That in the beginning, He created this perfect world, this sinless world, and then mankind disobeyed, but God had a plan. God had a promise. Listen, it's going to be difficult. And we can all testify to that. If you've ever worked a job, life, to, to survive... Life is difficult, right? You, you have to work to survive. Like you're called to work. You were created to work. But it's painful at times. But there's this promise that the rest, that this ground that was cursed because of sin will be lifted. That we who follow Christ will one day find eternal rest in His presence. And you guys may not may not realize this, but when, when we actually go to heaven, there's actually work to be done. Like, so like we're going to be working there. But it's not like the work that we face on this side of heaven. Because of sin, our work is painful. But if you could imagine a place where your work is joyful, where you get to work the garden in joy, and, and it's just, it's an enjoyable time of laboring. And I, I believe that sometimes on this side of heaven, when you work, you you see glimpses of that. Have you ever had like a really, really good day at work? Where like work was just a joy that day, right? Like it's, and I, I believe that we were created to work and through our work, it will be, be painful, but we see these glimpses on this side of heaven on how work will be when we get to, to be with him. But guys, we labor and we work and then we rest. And I want us just to really understand and know that our Sabbath rest, our Sabbath day that, that, that we need to be taking each and every week, it's a day to remember who we are, remember what Christ has done for us. But what we are doing is that we are proclaiming to our, our family and our friends that guys, there's going to come a day when this labor is no longer painful, when we're no longer tired, when we no longer have to work the ground through the thorns and thistles and pain, and one day God's rest is coming. And it comes through Christ. Look at Matthew 10. I got one more verse for us this morning. Or Matthew 11. You guys know this verse. Matthew 11:28. Come to me, Jesus says. His most famous words, Jesus says, come to me. All who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
There's this promise. And this Jesus is speaking to his people and says, listen, come to me all who are, all who labor. Take my yoke, in verse 29, upon you and lean and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The promise is, is that faith in Christ, faith in Jesus, faith in the Son and what He has done for mankind leads us to eternal rest. Leads us to the promised land. And Jesus makes this promise to, to them and His promise to us today as well. Come to Me. All you who are heavy burdened and labor, come to Me and you will find rest. And I believe, church, that when we take a Sabbath, when we take a day of rest, we are proclaiming and remembering what God's promises are for us. And I want to just continue to challenge you to really start thinking about this idea in your lives. Because I know, like, culturally, nobody really talks about a Sabbath. Nobody really lives in this, like, Sabbath mindset, unless you come from a Jewish family, which I don't know if many of you do. If you come from a Jewish family, this is, like, ingrained within you from childhood. Friday night at 5 o'clock, the Sabbath starts, and it does not. You don't do any work for 24 hours. But for us, I want us to develop this thought in our lives, church family, because I believe there is a blessing in the Sabbath. That there is this, it helps us remember who we are and who Christ is and what he has done for us and his promises. His promises that you will enter my rest. And we enter eternal rest through faith in Christ. I just want to just challenge us and encourage us, church family, really start talking about this in your homes as a family, with your friends. Say, like, what could this look like in our lives? We see throughout Scripture that God commands us to be taking a Sabbath, and as you dive into that, we see all these promises, we see this rest, we see all of this. God, how can we spend time each week remembering this? How can we set down our our labor and our work and spend time resting, which is pointing to the day that eternal rest is coming, where this ground that is cursed will be lifted and the new heaven and the new earth will come and we will be His people and He will be our God and we will be with Him. And I just really want us, church family, to be thinking about this. Next week, I want to be talking about more practicality. I've not done any practical talking because a lot of people have a lot of questions. After church, people will be like, well, what does this look like? What do I have to do? What do I not do? What can I do? And I'm telling you, it's not about the do's and the don'ts, but, but next week I want us to be talking about what does this look like? What can this look like in our lives? What does this look like in my own family's life? This is something that we are trying to like implement now and really trying to like live this out weekly and so, but that's for next week. Unless you guys are ready for a second sermon, should we? I mean, we can we can just continue on just real real quick here. I mean, get you out by like 1:30. Is that cool? No. I'm gonna ask for you to stand and and I'm gonna invite the worship team up and we're gonna sing a classic song about God's grace.
And I think it's fitting for us to be finishing and remembering the grace that God has shown us. So let us pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this word. Father, help us to honor you in the Sabbath. Help us to remember each week who you are and your promises that you have for us. Father, I look forward to the day of being with you face to face. Lord, I look forward to the day when the the cursed ground that we walk on is, is lifted and we're with you. Father, help us to be contemplating your word this week, to be thinking about what this could look like in our lives. Father, I praise you for this time. Father, as we sing to you, as we, as we proclaim who you are, remind us once again who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name.